When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Robin Crane, and this is the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. Listen, I was a financial advisor for over a decade, and I got so sick of the old archaic strategies that your grandpa used to get clients. What the industry teaches today is still so outdated and just doesn't work anymore. So I had to find a better way for myself, and then I got obsessed with sharing these how-tos with other women like me. The stuff I teach doesn't require giving up your life, your sanity, or your family time. I want women like you to have it easier than I had it, so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're going to get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. I am here with Liz Davidson, who is the founder and CEO of Financial Finesse. Liz has been widely recognized as one of the nation's leading experts in the field of financial education. Prior to launching Financial Finesse at 28 years old, she owned a hedge fund with $40 million in assets. She left that hedge fund to establish an unbiased financial education firm that would provide people with the information they need to make sound financial decisions and achieve their financial goals. So today she has a company. Um, is it a different company with the, the financial wellness or is it same? same yeah. Name? So I left the hedge fund industry, started Financial Finesse, never looked back. Um, obviously to provide unbiased financial wellness coaching as an employee benefit, you can't have a hedge fund. (laughs) So that needed to go away. And that's um, a change. Yeah. Big change. And it was a a scary one because you know, that especially back then the, the business of managing, you know, affluent people's assets was quite nice and, um, very profitable, but not not meaningful. And, you know, I really was searching for something that would have a bigger impact. And then what, like, is there, there's gotta be a story there. Like what made you change and switch and start a new company that was unbiased and very different and probably not necessarily targeting the affluent community I'm imagining. Um, so what was the big shift and then tell us how you did that. So the big shift was talking to these high net worth investors and realizing they fell into one of two camps almost exclusively. Either that, and these, this tended to be with entrepreneurs, they were brilliant people, but they never, they never got even fundamental education on how to manage the fortunes they built, right? And they were, you know, an entrepreneur is not used to diversifying. An entrepreneur is all in in one thing, right? Usually. So there was this, you know, they had all this wealth, but it was at risk in many cases. Like as I peeled back the layers, I was like, okay, you should be more preserving your wealth as opposed to putting it at this level of risk. 
You're like, others, don't invest in our, you're the salesperson. You're like, do not invest in our hedge fund. You actually need to do it. Well, remember we were a value hedge fund. Okay, so it okay. did, you know, like it if we were okay. a tech fund, that would have been more problematic. Right. But yes, as I was, once we became profitable, I just became more interested holistically in how people were managing their money besides the investment in our fund. And that I, I discovered there were, they were taking on too much risk. And then the other section of the population um, and actually included a, a, a professor of finance who was teaching efficient market hypothesis, but felt like he could beat the market. So if the knowledge was theoretically there, but all those human emotions of, mm-hmm. you know, I teach what one thing I do another, which, I, you know, probably not that uncommon. But so there were those people that did know what they were doing, but were still like caught up in the mania. And I thought, wow, if these you know, high net worth investors are putting themselves at risk. I mean, they can sell a yacht or the second house or third house or whatever, right? They're going to be okay if the market turns down and they need some liquidity. But what about at this point, I was in San Francisco and almost everyone I knew was in the dot-com industry. And these were people that, you know, were in many cases, recent college or business school grads, and they might be making a decent salary because back then, you know, there was a lot of money to go around, but they were, they had these options on paper. were doing crazy amounts of spending their future wealth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just like, oh my gosh, this, this is very troublesome because they could really regress and have to upt in their entire life. And then you go into people, you can just kind of go down the chain, right? right like the right. administrative assistant who may be making a, a modest salary, but have options and be getting further and further into debt, like that could be really, really life-changing in a very bad way. And I was like, we can help these people. And I was like, who, who's, who's helping? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you have all the people selling the tech stocks. <laughs> you have, I mean, all these sales people. Mm-hmm. And I could not find outside of maybe credit counseling, which is, you know, at the other end of the spectrum, I couldn't find any firms that were just doing this in a way that, was holistic and had no skin in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, okay, I'm going to see if I can, if I can do this, can I build a company that's all about, you know, helping people and has no conflicts of interest. First, we tried to charge consumer B to C that worked in two markets, San Francisco and LA. Was this under the framework of the hedge? Like, or did you just completely leave and then you started over? Like would this have there was a transition period where I was doing these workshops and and um the hedge fund actually the big moment was uh my business partner called and I answered the phone financial finesse and he was like okay yeah he was like whoa okay I'm not sure this like running two kind of things is working and honestly like you gotta pick and at that moment I was like okay you know what? My heart or my passion is this. I was financially comfortable enough to be willing to take the risk and that the decision, you know, was kind of made for me in a sense. Yeah. So you started, so you'd started it, basically you were doing two things and then now you put all your attention on this and tell us what it is today, like what it started as and kind of what it's developed to and what you do specifically. So it started actually as, as workshops. So remember this is back in 99 workshops for women. And the women paid, you know, $49.95 for like a ticket to the the workshop. And then we, you know, expanded to a series. 
it grew very organically in San Francisco and LA, word of mouth wise, where I had a natural network in both areas. When we tried to go national, it was a disaster because of the client acquisition costs. Mm-hmm. One thing saved us, and honestly, I'm not sure we would be, certainly we wouldn't be where we are today if this hadn't happened. And that was an HR manager in one of the workshops coming up to me and saying, I love this. What do you charge for employers? What's your daily rate? And, I'll, you know, at this point we were selling one by one, right? Yeah, 4995 right. So I was like, $500. So I was like, I don't have any marketing costs. <laughs> Again, this was a while back, but right. you know, I just, I, I had to have an answer. I didn't want to say, well, we don't do that. Cause I was like, it just hit me. This is a great yeah. opportunity. And so got started there. And then, you know, kind of, as they say, the rest is history. And it was very quickly after that, that we pivoted into selling to companies because obviously, you know, much better strategy to have that captive audience, not have to market one off. Um, And then, you know, employers at that time, you had so many companies going public that there was this need for education on stock options. And, you know, there were mergers and acquisitions. It was very, the vision was always to be what we are today, which I'll go to in a minute. But when I started, we had to be opportunistic. We had to pay the bills. So it was very event driven. You know, we went through investment banks recommending to their clients that we come in and teach the employees about stock options to doing layoff workshops when the bubble burst, you know, to then there was, you know, a lot of M&A and we, you know, we're doing workshops about your new benefits now that this company has acquired you. So it was very opportunistic and event driven at first, but the vision is always was personalized, holistic, unbiased financial guidance, not advice. So not saying you need to put all your money or, you know, you need to diversify in this way with this stock or this investment, but really looking at people overall, knowing that that's only a piece of it. A lot of people are struggling with credit card debt or going through life events. And how do you understand them holistically and then work with them to establish their goals and progressively achieve those? And that was always the vision. What had to happen for probably the first five years was event-driven things where a company would call us because they were going through a benefits change. They were going through something and they wanted us to come in and help. After, I mean, certainly post, you know, the um, mortgage crisis. Um, But I would even say it kind of built... Between Enron and the mortgage crisis, we saw a shift. And then post-mortgage crisis, it, you know, it really completed itself. Companies made the realization that this needs to be an ongoing benefit because there's so much that employees have to deal with when they're managing their comp and their benefits and market volatility and, you know, just life, right? right and the uncertainty right. that we can't just bring financial finesse in, like parachute them in deal with this one issue to get everyone to understand that, you know, the change to our investment lineup, and then that's enough, right? So they really got that it was bigger. And now every single engagement, every single client, we work with more than 12,000 organizations, is doing it holistically for all employees as a benefit, paying for it that way, as opposed to, you know, we still 
we still work with many of those employers, you know, if there's an early retirement package or, you know, they will, they will fold us in to handle these events, but we're there, you know, as a constant source of support, which is really the right model. Just took a while to get there. From, from the financial, like the women listening, financial advisors, financial professionals or, or insurance professionals listening, like that want to grow their book of business from your perspective as an entrepreneur, because you went through, you know, you had a hedge fund company and then you started off on your own and you're like, this is what it was intended, but this is what happened. Like, what, what are some of the learnings that you got from that experience as an entrepreneur that would help them take that away and take, have some takeaways. It's like, okay, like I could learn from Liz's, all of your mistakes, you know, but learn from what Liz <laughs> did and all the things you did right, but to grow their business faster. Like, how do you get to that point where you can jump ship or you can have that confidence or you can do things and take that risk? Partly, it sounds like, cause you kind of set yourself up financially for success that you had a buffer, but um, what other tips can you give these ladies that could help them? Um, so I think there's two things happening that, that we need to do as women. One is we know that we are a disadvantage, especially in the financial services industry. And we need to figure out how to support other women and how to affect change. At the same time, we have to recognize life is what it is. And we're living in a world that is what it is. And so how can we take the challenges and try to flip them into opportunities. And so what I would say, I mean, I'm lucky because I have this naturally. Um, Lucky in this area, it's not always been a great trait to have, but the biggest motivator for me is if you tell me I can't do something, I will kill myself to prove you wrong. And maybe I, I won't, but I'll get further than I would if you hadn't told me I couldn't do it. And so if you can, if you can have that negativity or that, you know, sometimes I think it's more subtle these days, it's more condescending or, you know, maybe signaling as opposed to, you know, I mean, literally people were like laughing at my idea and and just flat out saying, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, you're not going to be able to compete against these multi-billion dollar financial services industries that are essentially doing the same thing, you know, all that stuff. And I was like, all right, okay. So the more you can kind of just say, that's my motivator. I in a picture going back to that person and showing the receipts. I think that's an incredibly motivating thing. And I will be honest, sometimes I have done that. <laughs> if they're in my life still, it's like, okay. I also think I remind myself all the time when I get discouraged that what being a woman has forced me to do is have to be like twice as good, right? So there's something like about that that I think you can hone into just being better, right? You're going to potentially come under more scrutiny. You're going to you know, you may get tougher questions. Well, then you're going to get better at answering those questions. You're going to have to have a better service, but by having a better service, you ultimately, you know, are going to be prevail versus someone that has a lot of advantages and maybe support um, in terms of, you know, I'm just going to say it like an old boys network type thing. Maybe they don't have as much motivation to, to reach that level of excellence. So, you know, just, Use that as a positive, but but this is the paradox. I still see that that's unfair 
and not right. And so what can can I do to support women myself? And to me, that's been mentorship. And you know, it's funny, we have an executive team that is way disproportionately women. I think we're like 75 to 80% women. Yeah. <laughs> you could argue we're not, we don't have Own it. the other end. But, and I'm like, it's weird. I've been aware of this issue, but it wasn't a conscious, I want an executive team that's 75% women. It's that because I am a woman, I don't think maybe I have like a less of a bias. Uh, Most of them are moms. And I will say (laughs) you want someone that can multitask and get stuff done and make good on their commitments. Hire a mom, (laughs) you know, but it wasn't, again, it wasn't like we want to hire moms or we want to have 75% women. I mean, is aware of the issue, but it, it's just when you, when you look at people as people, as opposed to preconceived notions, women will shine. Right. And so, you know, and I think, again, I would say a lot of my team members would say the same thing. It's that they had to be better. So they are better, <laughs> you know? Well, I'm glad you said that you, if someone says you can't do it, then it makes you want to do it. So I'm going to just say, Liz, I don't think you can help me get women to 50% in the industry. I don't think you're capable of really (laughs) having the drive or the influence to really help us get to that 50%. I'm just saying, I don't think you have it in you. All right. So we got to do this massive PR campaign on (laughs) You know, financial finance and other companies that have managed to get well over 50% women and share what they've done. Um, I mean, this is off of the top of my head, but I love it. I'm really racking my brain. And again, before the recording, we started talking about this mission. And and I, I, I every time I start, I think the more and more I, I talk about it, as far as having 50% of women in the industry, the more, I, the, the clearer I get about how can we actually do this? And then my feeling is the more I keep talking to other smart women who are successful in their own right and other, whether it's other industries or just, just, you know, even finance or whatever, it's like, there's other ideas that come up, you know? So like you just said something kind of new, like the whole PR campaign and, and all this, but I, I was saying like, I feel like there's the thing I came up with just even earlier today, I was thinking like, okay, well, one, this is what I've been talking about for a long time is that if, if we can help women who are already financial advisors or financial professionals in the industry, stay in the industry by helping them be more successful then we're at least stopping the problem. Like it's a leaky, you know, leaky bucket, right? Like they're not falling out. And that's where, you know, my company, like we're mostly focused on that. We take women who are already in the industry. We help you be more successful because 99% of them have thought about quitting many, many times, if not many times a month, if not many times a day. And so we can help you be more successful and fulfilled in the industry. You're not leaving. Cool. We've, we've, we're patching up the leaky bucket. So, so yeah, so our role really is to help women stay in the industry by being more successful. And I I do think the companies are putting some, they have women's initiatives, quote unquote, you know, they go to colleges and nothing bad about that. I shouldn't say it like that because I do think it's great that there's an outreach. Um, and this, the false promises issue that women are coming in, they're very let down by the industry and by, by the team that brings them in, I think is a real major, major issue. So that's what we're working to solve, like at a key level. And then, um, you know, I think second level, and this is where, you know, as you're working with women and I'm kind of curious about this and we've gone a little long, but curious about, like, I think if women outside of the industry start raising their hand and say, I want to work with a female advisor 
or I like this approach even that's like more aligned with women. Like it doesn't have to be women, but I, but if we can have more women and like, if you're talking to women and I don't know if you're, you're talking, you said 12,000 companies. So you're talking to probably hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, which means yes. you know, yes. you know, hundreds of thousands of women, like, are they raising their hand, like going, like, I want a financial advisor, you know, I, I don't know. You want to yes. know something really, really cool. Yes. Two thirds of our users of our financial coaching service are women. And you know what? That is cool. Yeah. And I think the reason is if, if you present this, you know, as a benefit, as holistic and related to building the life you want. Um, I mean, if we think about it, I mean, but because at a high level, I've always had very strong opinions and probably the leader in terms of big life milestones and making sure we're on track for those. Mm-hmm. I think women tend to take that leadership role, especially if they're moms, right? You know, yeah, I do. That's super well. important. And that's a little different nuance than, you know, again, you know, the day to day, which in my case, my husband's taken care of, but yeah. So, you know, and there, I think women naturally are collaborators, right? I mean, that's, I hate these, you know, overdoing the cliches, but the idea of calling and talking to someone and working with someone um, on an ongoing basis, it's not, you know, there's, there's less of this pride maybe of like, Oh, I'm, we don't, I don't don't think we're like, well, we, you know, we need to do this all by ourselves. You know, I think we, we know we need support wherever we can get it as long as we can trust that support, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, there's, there's just less of a, a barrier to getting, getting help, you know, um, and more of a sense of humility, I think, and more of a, um, again, that desire to build this life. Right. And I know that money is a huge part of that. So I have this benefit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use it. Mm-hmm. But I think if it was positioned as a financial or investment advice or financial planning benefit, you know, it might be the opposite. Financial wellness connotes a more holistic, you know, life-driven approach, including your current situation if you don't have money, right? Where financial advice, I think Mm -hmm. we start thinking we're getting a 50-page financial plan. You know, it it just doesn't feel as connected to our lives. Does that make sense? So a financial coach, I actually did money coaching. So like when I was a financial advisor, I had an outside business activity and I did money coaching because I was actually in the Silicon Valley as well. And it was, what I found was that because they weren't, um, because their problems weren't just like solvable by a 529 plan or solvable by life insurance or solvable by whatever, just like you're saying, like I had to help them with their mindset to help them with their beliefs and behaviors and help yes. them with their money. So yes. I was like doing money coaching and then, but then many of them, they had these stock options or whatever. They, they had to figure that out as well. And then it helped them on that side as well and disclose those things. Um, but the reason I say that is because I remember a point where I was like, I feel like, but if they're working with me, and they're paying me just like now I get paid a fee. Like, I don't feel bad for that because I know the value exceeds it. So I really yes. think it's back to like, as yes. long as the value exceeds it, whether it's 1% and they can show you graph after graph that if you lose 1%, if you just held it in the market, you know, you would have like, you know, $300,000 less, you know, right. 8% or whatever. But it's like, but did that advisor give you at least 1% value? Like when I'm thinking about yes. that with my financial advisor, yes. I'm like, that's so easy. Just give me like, make me 1% a year more. 
Like just so yes. I don't make the stupid mistakes, just so I know yes. how to attack shelter, just so I know how to do that. So I think for you with what you do, like, I think it's, I, and I don't know, and you tell me, and I'm just, I'm, I'm being a little contrarian now with you, but like, like, how can we bridge that where there's a, there's a ton of value on the holistic side, unbiased approach. And, and, and I don't know if it's fiduciary, if it's whatever, I think fiduciary is a little bit of BS because like, I was always trying to be fiduciary, even though I wasn't technically fiduciary, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but like trying to, we're doing, we women are doing the right things. We're really trying to do the right things. We want to do the right thing for the client. And yes, we have products to do that. And so, and there's some things you can't do right. As mm-hmm. a financial coach, as a money coach, like you can't get me a guarantee on my income with, I need that product. I need mm-hmm. certain products. Right. So how can we bridge that? So there's, there's value to the end user, right. To the client, to the customer, like on both ends, because I think both are necessary, right? Absolutely. So I think they're peanut butter and jelly, like compatible. So financial wellness, the way I think about it is it's generally more for people that are trying to build, you know, investable assets. Um, so you're dealing like step with step one, you're saying step yeah, one. It's yeah, it's that foundation. I mean, we're really focused on, cool. you know, emergency savings, reducing high interest rate debt, starting to save. Um, you know, we work with couples a lot. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of the coaching you were talking about that you did, right? But there is a point where you absolutely need advice, right? Yeah, you right. built the, these investable assets and you need advice. And then, you know, what we do is help twofold, help you understand what different types of advisors are out there, how they charge, how do you interview an advisor? How do you manage an advisor? I mean, and it's everything from preventing fraud, right? Like the Bernie Madoff situations Mm -hmm. to making sure you're getting that 1%, right? Making sure this is an investment that is paying off for you because if it's not, it doesn't make sense, right? So um, in many cases, we have clients that have a financial advice benefit, either through a firm or in, you know, in cases of smaller clients, it might be a single advisor or a boutique firm. And so it's making them aware they have that benefit because the client has already done that vetting. And, you know, we're making them aware of all the benefits. So if, if that advisor is installed, you know, we're saying you have this as a benefit. Now you still need to ask these questions, but you may get a free consultation or something, you know, that, that, that is worth taking advantage of as an employee benefit that it's available to you, you know? So um, it's very compatible in my mind. We're also a second opinion service and we have a lot of advisors. We do a lot of work with NFL athletes. They have the NFLP as an advisory program, as you may know, and then they use us for coaching. And, you know, the advisors that are really good advisors love that because they can say, you know what? If you don't trust my word for it, call financial, you know, like they'll give, mm-hmm. they'll give you an unbiased overview. Right, We're not going to yeah. say this is a good advisor or a bad advisor. We're going to say, okay, do you know the pros and cons of these investments? This is how to vet like, them. Yeah. Yeah. This, you know, cool. we'll talk them through and, and it's funny. A lot of guys are like, yeah, I didn't want to tell my advisor. I didn't really know what that meant, <laughs> but I just feel more comfortable. Like, okay. Yeah. So what really is this? Cause right, you know, they right. don't, it's just interesting. Yeah. But interesting. so, so if you're doing right and you're, you have some sort of service that you can say, look, this is a second opinion service. I have no skin in the game. I'm not, you know, in this case, the NFLPA is paying us. So it's not like completely separated it can be actually kind of cool, 
you know, to establish that level of credibility, you know, I think clients just knowing that you're, you're that comfortable with the advice that you're recommending they check with someone that has no skin in the game. It's kind of a cool thing. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I could, again, I, we gotta, we gotta stop this. It's so good. But this is, <laughs> this is, it's, it's good, but I'm interested because I'm, I'm seriously like obsessed now with like, how can we do this? How can we do this? And I do think it has, it comes down to partnerships and people are already talking to the clients, but maybe they're not, there's not necessarily the connection they're happening with the advisor. And so um, I'll, I'll plant that seed with you and maybe we'll talk offline about it. But um, for those of you listening, I think um, some, you know, huge takeaways just around, around, first of all, like challenge yourself, whether it's someone else challenging you or you challenging yourself, like whether you want to do the negative side of it, like I can't do it. And then like you can, but I think so many of us women have been told like, you can't do it. Like, I feel like every woman listening has a story like that where someone said you can't do it and let's prove them wrong because we can. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, you can do this and you need the support. You need the systems you need. Like we women are willing to be open. Like Liz said, like we're willing to be open. We're willing, we're we're more coachable than men. Like we're, it's okay. Like when people tell us to do something, we actually, we like to be guided. We like to be, you know, like directed in a way and led. And then we also like to lead. So like lead, but also be willing to be led. And I think there's like a good, a good dance there for us, like as women, because we have that natural, like just ability and natural capability to, to be like that. So, um, that was really great. Thank you. Anything to add and tell them where to find you. Um, God, anything to add. I mean, nothing that I can do succinctly. So, <laughs> um, our website is financialfinesse.com. Um, they can reach out to me personally at ldavidson at financialfinesse.com. So that's okay. That's where to find. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us and we'll see you next time on Growing Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. Bye. I actually have the link for the tag challenge, the appointment generator challenge. So instead you can just go to femalefinancialadvisors.com and register right now so that you can get five quality appointments in just five days. Now, this is not around, you know, you having to talk to friends and family and get all awkward. This is not about you having to spend marketing dollars online or create a whole funnel. This is going to be easy. It's simple. It happens in five days. If I can get you five quality appointments in five days, then you know that you can have the best year of your life because you just need to get in front of more of the right people. We will walk through it together as we do it. So do not miss this. And if you can, if you're smart, do VIP, spend a few extra bucks and you can actually spend time with me on Zoom where I can connect with you, get to know you and really help you get those quality appointments so that you can grow your business. And um, go ahead again, register at femalefinancialadvisors.com. You'll find it all there. It's happening, coming up very, very soon. So make sure to register, claim your spot, get in on this, get excited about it, block your calendar because you need to spend about an hour to an hour and a half uh, a day with me on the Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so that you can get these results and it does work. The most appointments I think we got in those five days, uh, someone, I think it was Dana got 33 appointments. So you could be my best student and go well beyond the five quality appointments, go to 10, go to 15, go to 20 and set yourself up for the best year ever. Can't wait to see you at the tag challenge. See you there. Thank you again for listening to Growing Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.